As we turn our attention to our study in the armor of God and putting on the whole armor of God, I want to remind you that like the men of Issachar, we don't just understand our times economically and politically, but we understand our times spiritually. And part of understanding those times is Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10, as Paul began to teach the church of Ephesus preparation for, forgive me, very difficult times ahead spiritually in what was then called Asia. And we see the final fruition of it all in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. So Paul begins to pre prepare them for Satan's throne being moved to Pergamum and all of the challenges and persecution that would take place over the next couple of decades. And he said in Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, as your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil ones, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints." And also for me, that words may be given me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now we've been going through and understanding the enemy of our souls. We've understood the belt of truth and now we're working on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, We've understood that there were two types of righteousness. There's positional righteousness, and then there's experiential righteousness. Last week, we really began to focus on the decisions of experiential righteousness. That It's not enough to just understand grace. Grace is a teacher. Grace teaches us, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present world. So grace, if we are grace people, then we, are we have learned to say no to sin. We have learned to say yes to holiness. So we talked about experiential righteousness is a decision of obedience. It's a decision of separation. And it's a decision of being a love slave, of being a slave to righteousness because we love it. And because like Jesus teaches us and Paul teaches us, we pursue it. And we pursue it with a good barcada. I want to pick up from there and take this whole thing a step farther. He said, I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is the real breastplate. And the first thing I want you to see here is this is a lifestyle that is not about pretend. It's not about religious showmanship. It's not about marketing. It's not a game. It's real. It's something that flows from within us. Now, brothers and sisters, you cannot put on a, a pretend breastplate. When you put on a pretend breastplate, it may look really nice in a parade, but it is going to get you killed in a battle. When you go out and take your stand against Satan, when you go out and take your stand against the schemes, the logical presentation of deception by the slanderer, you cannot have on a pretend breastplate. 
that looks nice in the parade. You have to have on the real deal. It, it would be like sending some of our, our Philippine soldiers into battle and giving them a bulletproof vest. And some of them had on this, this bulletproof vest that it didn't look very nice, but it was really good. And others, they had this big macho-looking bulletproof vest on, but it wasn't made of Kevlar and it didn't have steel plates or ceramic plates in it. It was filled with Uratex foam. Now, Uratex might be something nice to sleep on and it might make a nice pillow, might even make a nice mattress but it doesn't do any good to stop a bullet. It's a fake breast piece. It's a fake bulletproof vest. Now, brothers and sisters, if you can get that illustration, I want you to understand how important it is that positional righteousness and experiential righteousness is real in our lives. It's not something that we play with. It's not something to pretend. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Are you making a parade of this thing? Matthew 28 or Matthew 23, verse 28. So you will outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus said, listen, you know, this isn't something that you put on from the outside for people to see. One of the things you're going to see again and again and again over the next couple of weeks is everything about righteousness flows from within us. This understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus flows from within us. Every act that we do of putting on the breastplate of righteousness flows from within us. It is not a, a facade that we put on from the outside that looks nice in a parade. It is, it is a reality that flows from within. Everything about Christianity is lived from the inside out. Everything about religion is lived from the outside and it never gets inside. He said, you know, outwardly you appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Paul says it this way in Acts 23, verse 3, he stands before the high priest. And Paul said, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. In other words, you, you're dressed up all holy and fancy. He said, and you sit there to judge me according to the law, yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. He said, you're not walking in obedience to the law. You're just putting on a show here. Doesn't help you to live. Put See, putting on the show doesn't help you live right. Putting on the show doesn't help you make the right decisions of separation and decisions of obedience and decisions of pursuing this love-slave relationship with it. No, no, it, it, it's, that doesn't help at all. Holiness must flow from within us. Now, I'm going to teach you this several times over the next few weeks, but let's this, let me get started with you in Romans 12. Romans 12, beginning with verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to the world. The world's always trying to force you into being like something. And literally, they're trying to put you in a box and force you to fit into what they want you to look like. He said, but be transformed. In other words, release the true inner spiritual nature by renewing your mind. Then you may be able to test what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, brothers and sisters, Paul is very clear here. You're not going to be able to live the will of God. You're not going to be able to live this righteous life from the outside in, fitting into a box, whatever box people want to put you in. Holiness is not difficult. Please forgive me, holiness is not difficult because it's not a bunch of rules and regulations that you follow. Holiness and righteousness flows from within us. There's a transformation. We live this from the inside out. So you have to just make sure that your breastplate of righteousness 
is real and not fake. You say, well, all right, Pastor, how do I, how do I test my breastplate to see? Is this a real one that came from the inside, that came from who I am in Christ, that came from the word of God flowing out of me and the transformation flowing out of me, or it's fake? It just looks good in the parade. Well, listen to Jesus in Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 9. And he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men up, went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like that other man, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Yuck. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, just a little free parenthesis here. Notice that even in Jesus's parable, he teaches tithing. Okay. But I want you to notice how this fake breastplate of righteousness looked. First of all, you trust in yourselves. Some who trusted in themselves. You trust in the strength of your own willpower. You trust in the strength of your own willpower to, to not get drunk, to not do pornography, to not commit sexual immorality, to not lie, to not steal, to whatever. You trust in the strength of your own will to not do things, and you trust in the strength of your own will to do things. But I'm sorry. At some point, you're not going to have enough strength. At some point, you're going to have to realize that this has got to come from within and not just come from legalistic obedience to man-made rules and stuff. So secondly, first of all, they trusted in themselves. Secondly, you treat others with contempt. Now, thank God I'm not like this tax collector over here. They putting long nose. Remember the old term, long noses? They're looking down their nose at you. They look at you with utter contempt. I've often wondered how Matthew, one of the apostles, felt as Jesus told this story. Because he was that tax collector. He was that tax collector, okay? Matthew was a man who was not only a collaborator with the Roman occupying army, but he was part of the corruption system that extorted money from people. He was he was the most hated he was in the most hated business in Israel. He was a tax collector for the Roman government. He walked away from his corruption. He walked away from his money. He got up and left that table, walked away from everything, and began to follow Jesus. But you know what? There are always going to be some people that look down their nose at him. So how can you tell if you have a fake, a fake breastplate of righteousness? You trust in your own strength. You treat others with contempt to superior attitude. Uh, you compare yourself to other people. Lord, I thank you. I'm not like this one. I'm not like that one. I'm not like that one. I'm not like that extortioner. I'm not like that unjust adulterer. I'm not even like this tax collector. Are you, are you always comparing your experiential righteousness with the experiential righteousness of other people? And you feel good about yourself because you, you're a little more successful with your strength of will than other people. Okay. The next one, they exalt themselves. The last verse, verse 14, whoever exalts himself. But I want you to notice one other one. Verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself. They're always standing off alone. They don't want to get dirty. They don't, they don't want to be a part of the body. They don't want to be around other people unless they're in charge. Okay, they're, they're superior. They, you know, they don't want to sit next to somebody. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to sit over there. There's a person from Aroma 
and the aroma is of aroma. I mean, I've heard people say that, and they thought, Pastor didn't hear that. Oh, yes, I heard that. Because there was a time in my life I was that poor kid. So my ears tune in pretty quickly. Now, brothers and sisters, anytime you're acting like that, you've got on a parade breastplate. And when you stand up against the well-laid deception of the slanderer, I'm sorry, that breastplate isn't going to make it. You say, well, all right, Pastor, how do I put on a real breastplate? Well, first of all, it flows from the inside out. And so this is going to come as we do some things. It's going to be flowing out of us as we do some things. First of all, we put on the breastplate of the real breastplate of righteousness by training in scriptures. Now, training in scriptures. You're, you're not going to put on the breastplate of righteousness memorizing Facebook slogans that sound cool or that sound walk. I think that's the new term. Or have religious legalism in it. You're going to have to learn to make a stand with the word. Now, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Hebrews 5, verse 13. For everyone who lives on the milk is unskilled in the words of righteousness since he is a child. One more verse and then we'll talk about it. Romans 6, verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you were once slaves to sin, you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Notice, from the heart, it comes from the inside out, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Now, some of this we talked about last week, but just focus on the word today. You are not going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, coming from the inside out, by, forgive me, milk teaching. Simple little dribble that that doesn't mean much and doesn't challenge people's lives. It's just, you know, a little, everybody say milk, okay? It, it, baby Christian teaching. That, that I'm sorry, you need that at a season in your life, but at some point you've got to progress into the meat. You've got to progress into being trained in righteousness. And there are Christians, they want to live in this, this, this blessed, I heard one pastor say, we want to learn to live in blessed shallowness. No, you don't want to live in blessed shallowness. You want to grow in the things of God. You want to go deeper into the river of the Spirit and Ezekiel. I mean, please, God does not want you to live in blessed shallowness. He doesn't want you to be a milk Christian living on Facebook sloganized Christianity the rest of your life. Let's feel good. Let's, let's, just, all, let's just all sit around here and, and think about blessed we're going to meditate on the word blessed for the next 30 minutes. Grabe talaga. Okay, at some point, you, you got to grow. Now, I want you to notice when Jesus went and faced temptation in Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. I started on this the other week, but let me just zone in on it again. As he stood in the battlefield of temptation, as he stood before the well-orderly, logical presentation of deception from the slanderer, as he stood there, Satan said, I want you to do this, Jesus said. It is written. Satan comes back with a second temptation. Now, you know, in Psalms 91, it says this, but Jesus said, it is also written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He said, you're not going to trick me with your little shallow understanding of the scripture. No, no, no. I'm skilled in the word of righteousness. <laughs> this is why you need to read your Bible every day. 
This is why you need to read your Bible every day. This is why every day I want you to read your Bible. This is why we do expository sermons. This is why we want to go deep, dig deep into the word of God and not just have little shallow, you know, sim simplistic nonsense that, that are written, it's written by a fourth grader, you know, and it, it sounds really sweet and polite, but it doesn't challenge you to change. You know, I, I, there's a whole school of sermonizing today that, that's, that's written with, with, you know, it sounds nice and it sounds religious and it sounds spiritual, but it never challenges you to change. Last week, many of you joined me as we were listening to Pastor Dag with the camp meeting from Accra. Man, he gets in your face. And he teaches the word of God and challenges you to change. I, I listened to him talk about, he said, you know, you can, it's, it's easy to recognize preachers and churches that have become prodigal churches and prodigal preachers. He said, because they're in the pig pen eating pig food. He said, in other words, they're in with the unclean, eating unclean things. They're, all they're looking at is pornography and the world and secular music and all this filth. He said, they're eating pig food. Now, you know what? That, that gets in your face and challenges you. He's moving you out of the milk and he's moving you into the meat, the, the, the being skilled in the word of righteousness. Psalms 119 verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Oh, beloved, oh, beloved, please, every day you read your Bible. Young people, you don't need to fill your insides with TikTok. TikTok sounds cool. Man, there's so much filth there. You don't need to get near stuff like that. There's a lot of that stuff you just don't ever need to see. You need to get up in the morning and not check the latest TikTok challenge. You need to get up every morning and check the newest Holy Ghost challenge. Oh, I like that. Every morning, get up. What's the Holy Ghost challenge for change in my life today? What's the Holy Ghost challenge for, for me growing in the things of God today? I don't need the TikTok challenge. I want the Holy Ghost challenge in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, this is when you do this, when you get into the Word every day, this is how Romans 12, 1 and 2 works. You renew your mind. You learn how to think differently. This is what God was talking about in Jeremiah 31, verse 33. He said in this new covenant, he said, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, referring to the new covenant. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. See, this is the beauty about the new covenant. We, we don't live from the outside in trying to look religious. We live from the inside out. God lives within us. We hold fast to the word within us. John chapter 8, verses 30 through 33. We hold fast to the word within us and we know by experience the truth. And that truth sets us free. This is living from the inside out. It's not difficult. Oh, beloved, it's not difficult. It just takes time in the word. All right, so the first thing is the word. The second way we put on this breastplate of righteousness from the inside out is peace. James chapter three, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Brothers and sisters, you're not going to be able to live a righteous life living every day of your life in strife. It's not going to happen. You have to choose to live in peace. Now, after six months of COVID-19, people losing their jobs, people are frustrated, people are angry, people are tense, people are pressured. There's a lot of uh, strife going on out there. 
But someday you have to learn, I'm not going to live in strife. I'm going to live in peace. You don't have to fight with everybody who wants to fight with you. Now, I know you're pressured right now, but you don't have to fight with everybody that wants to fight with you. My, my dad had to teach this to me because the way I grew up, I grew up, I grew up fighting. I was kicked out of school 14 times and just one, one school grade. Just, and that was not too long after that. In fact, it was that summer the police sent me to live with my dad. And I, <laughs> I look back now and I think my mom and dad, they were, uh, <laughs> they had no idea what they were getting into. But I remember when I moved down there, got a part-time job working in a gas station, and I went out for football in high school that year. And this is even before the school year starts, and I haven't even been officially enrolled in school yet. My transcripts have been forwarded, but we hadn't even started classes yet, but there's what they call two-a-day and then three-a-day football practice. Well, a guy threw a football, hit me in the head. I took my helmet off and just whacked him upside the head with it. Well, immediately the school calls my dad, and dad said, why'd you do that? I said, well, he hit me in the head with a football. And he said, so you felt that you had to just go start a fight? I said, I didn't start the fight. But see, I grew up poor in a bad part of town. And you know what? I learned young, if you don't fight, you're going to have to run all the time. And I just learned, even if I'm going to get whipped, every time that guy saw me, he was going to have to whip me again. So nobody, everybody just got to leaving me alone. So I'm moving into a new school. I think I got to do the same thing all over again. My father began to sit down and teach me. He said, now, Davey, you don't have to pick up every stick and stone that people throw at you. He said, otherwise they control you. Now, you know, I'd never thought about it like that. Now, my dad wasn't a Christian at the time, but my dad taught me some great wisdom. If you respond to everybody who wants to fight with you, well, I didn't start it, but bless God, I'm going to finish it. Now, you know me, I'm not a pacifist by any stretch of the imagination. And I understand there are things that you have to do, and it's going to make people mad, but it's the right thing to do, so you have to do it. I understand that. But I also understand, you know what? You just don't have to live in strife every day. There's a lot of stones. There's a lot of sticks. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of stuff that people, you just don't have to pick it up. You see, what my father taught me was you cannot be productive and fight at the same time. Hmm. If you're going to live in a fight, he said, you're going to be a very unproductive person. And it's true. It's very true. Now, some of you have just have to learn. And I know some of you have been through some hard times lately. You know, you, you, your friends got fired at the office. They got laid off. You kept your job. And, and one family came and the daughter was going to quit even though she'd gotten a promotion because everybody was telling lies about her that, that she had been sleeping with the boss and that's why she got the promotion and everybody else got fired. <laughs> it just wasn't true. She just went to work earlier and stayed later and worked harder than everybody else around. I said, don't, don't get in a fight with it. You, you can't be productive and live in a fight at the same time. James 3.18 says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. James 3.18, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. You want the righteousness of God to be a harvest in your life? You want this breastplate on you? It's sown in peace by those who make peace. You don't have to go around and live in strife. If people want to fight with you, they, they, can, they can box the air by themselves. You're, you're not going to engage. And sometimes you just have to learn this. I'm not going to engage in this fight. I'm not, I'm not going to join this battle. I have things that I have to do. Now, please forgive me. You've got a business to build. You don't need to fight. You've got a career to build. You don't need to fight. You've got a family to take care of. You don't need to be in that fight. 
At some point, we have to mature enough to realize if I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, if I'm going to be able to stand against all these, these deceitful schemes of the slanderer, I can't go out and live my life in strife. I have to be a person of peace. All right. I'll stop there. We'll pick this up next week. Are you learning something? This is some good stuff. But the most important thing I keep saying to you is this is not some legalistic thing that you put on from the outside that's fake and looks great in a parade. This is the armor of God. This is, this is your heavenly father's breastplate, as I showed you in Isaiah. This is your heavenly father's breastplate. God lives within you. You are his temple. That breastplate is going to flow from the inside out. Father, I lift you, your sons and daughters. Give them a hunger for the word of God, Lord. Incline their heart to your word. Give them a heart of peace, Father, that they don't want to live in strife and arguments with everybody around them. Let them stay focused. Help them to stay focused on what you have for them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you again tomorrow morning for devotions. 545 will be our first section of Daniel's prayer. Then you are really enjoying that. Then I will be teaching in the New Testament portion, and then Song of Solomon will be finishing out. So we'll see you tomorrow morning in Jesus' name.